Well, as we like to do here at Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, find a, a former Big 12 player and talk to him about his playing career and, and where his career has gone since then. Micah Brown, former Kansas Jayhawk. Before we dive into it with Micah, guys, please take a second out. Leave us a rating, review, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we would appreciate that a ton. It helps us out tremendously. And in turn, I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail if you leave us a rating and review for the podcast. And um, send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And we'll get the koozie in the mail for you guys. Appreciate it. Joining us here on the show, uh, Micah, appreciate you coming on here. And and let's just start back uh, with your playing days at KU. And, and you know, I, I realize you're not going into a – KU Hall of Fame necessarily, but you know you played. <laughs> you played for Coach Mam Gino, and the program hasn't I, I been barely, the same since. I barely played. <laughs> I barely played, but I did have an opportunity to play a little bit. Yeah, you know, I actually came to uh, Kansas on a track scholarship. I was a triple jumper um, at Kearney, Nebraska, and you know, track was my passion. I didn't really have a great high school career. I had a really good senior season in football, and um, you know, but I had already committed to track early, so. And I decided to go ahead and honor that uh, commitment and go through. And, and I was a triple jumper. And um, after a year of doing that, I was like, man, I don't know if I want to do this for another four years. And uh, so I decided that I would walk on for the football team. And, you know, I told those guys, I walked into Coach Bowen's office, who is our defensive coordinator. And I said, hey, you know, if I can play by the time I'm a senior, do you think I'm good enough? you know, to, to be able to play by the time I was a senior. And he was like, yeah, I didn't think you could play before then. Um, but you're going to have to switch positions. I was a running back in high school, so I was playing receiver. Um, you know, I obviously had speed, didn't have great hands. And so, you know, that kind of limited me. So I became a demon on special teams. And, and he was able to be a part of some really good teams uh, at Kansas, you know, under Coach Mangino and really, really privileged to be able to do that and, you know, ultimately earn a scholarship. Micah Brown's our guest, played at KU, and, and you might be saying to yourself, well, you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't a star. But, Micah, the, the Orange Bowl game that KU played in after the 2007 season, that, that's your claim to fame, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that game was once in a lifetime for KU and once in a lifetime for me. Uh, it, was, it was a crazy moment um, in the late in the third quarter and, you know, was able to uh, make a big play on a, fun, on a fake punt and catch a catch a ball that kind of proved to be a significant turning point in the game and you know I was one for one for my career it was my one receiving moment that I got to do outside of special teams but you know it was a great moment to be a part of that is awesome we love that so when you look back on on uh the time you were with the program there Mike I mean you were playing under coach Mangino who obviously has had an unprecedented amount of success there with the Jayhawks what what made those teams click as you start to see the buildup to what was, you know, a great 2007 season, arguably the best in Kansas football history? You know, I mean, I think it starts with Coach Dawson, uh, Coach Chris Dawson, who my son is actually named after. He was our strength coach, and he's at K-State now. And, I mean, that guy had us uh, – I would say we were the m- most mentally tough team in the country. I mean, we did things that I feel like nobody else was doing. I know everybody says that, but, you know, we had a bunch of guys who were two-star, no-star, and um, they were just tough. And I think things were really, really, really competitive. And we had the kind of culture where, you know, a Micah Brown, you know, walk-on uh, could get in a fist fight with Aqib Tlaib, the All-American, and that was normal. 
you know, and because practice was so competitive and um, we, it was a really strong brotherhood between all of us. And I think guys held each other accountable. And I think the big difference then is probably, I don't know now, um, but you know, a lot of guys were really trying to play college football. It wasn't about making it to the pros. They took care of what they were doing right then, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was very competitive. Uh, We had guys who, you know, didn't feel like it was a privilege or, or it was a privilege, not a right, you know, to be on the field. And whether you were on punt team or you were the starting receiver, um, you knew that your job was not safe. And I think that created a culture to be able to win and uh, has sustained success. Micah, as you look at, at that time um, and that year, what what sticks out to you the most? I mean, obviously, you think back to that winning streak. You guys beat, I think it was six ranked teams in a row before that uh, loss yeah. to Missouri at Arrowhead. What do you remember most about that that border war game in particular? Oh, I mean, well, that border war game was heartbreaking for us. You know, obviously, we had a chance to go to the Big 12 championship uh, versus our rival team, you know, on college game day, sold out Arrowhead Stadium. I mean, it was unprecedented, our undefeated season on the line. And, um, you know, we weren't able to get it done. Uh, you know, Missouri had a great team. And, you know, we had a couple, you know, no excuses, but we had a couple injuries. Um, you know, I think it would have been a tough game, even if we were fully healthy. They may have got us anyway, you know, but that existed. And, you know, we were able to not capitalize there, but I think the better team got the bowl game and uh, we were able to win things uh, versus Virginia Tech. And it was it was a really, really special season and something I'll never forget. We've had Coach Mangino on the show before, and he is a hoot. Is, is there a story, Micah, that you remember about Coach Mangino that just always sticks out? Oh, God. I mean, there's so many. Yeah. You know, many that you can't talk about on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, he always had a great sense of humor. You know, one of the things about him is even if he was getting on you, you know, it was kind of funny. You know, it, you may have been like, man, he got me on that time. But I, I, but I think he is the kind of guy who um, the program needed. You know, we had uh, we had a bunch of guys who didn't know um, how to be successful and a program that hadn't seen success before, you know, and I don't know that you get that by necessarily coddling people. And so I think that if one thing happened through all that, even if people were like, man, coach is getting on me, he's being really tough. I think what it did is make all the players unite together. And it really wasn't, you know, coach Mangino's team. And even coach Mangino would say that it was the players team. You know, the players handle a lot of the discipline in house. You know, the players were the ones that were holding each other accountable in the cap. I think that that was something that was, you know, every good team has that, you know, it's inner accountability. And we had kind of different tiers of that accountability. And, you know, some guys were like the workout leaders and some guys were like, oh, you know, this guy's going to show up in the game or some guy might show up in practice. And it had these different tiers. And I think it made it feel like everybody had a place. And um, I credit that to Coach Mangino and his staff for kind of developing that culture. Michael, let's talk about what you're doing now. Um, you have stayed in the Lawrence area. You are now a documentary film director. You studied that in college, I saw. So this is not like something that came out of nowhere for you. What has that progression on your professional side the past decade or so been like? Yeah, you know, as you mentioned, I, I've always been interested in film. And, you know, from the time I was a little kid, it was always a passion of mine. I, I never really, uh, I mean, I love sports, you know, because I was choosing to do it, 
but it was always something that was fun to me. I never wanted to play as a professional, never really even thought about playing in college until I started getting scholarship offers. Um, you know, so film has always been my passion. You know, post, uh, I studied under Kevin Wilmont, who won an Academy Award, uh, let's see, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I was going to be a screenwriter, you know, and so I really took it as an opportunity. He's the one who showed me on my visits. He's the one that, that he's the reason I came to KU is because he was uh, he was actually working in the industry and I felt like it was a good opportunity to learn from him. And, um, you know, from there, I, I started doing movie trailers out of, co- out of college, um, did that for a year and came back and worked for Turner Gill, um, who's actually my, my dad's best friend. They played together in Nebraska. And oh, wow. so, you know, when they fired Coach Mangino, um, you know, Turner called me and said, hey, what would you think about coming back? And uh, so I was able to come back and help him do some recruiting videos. And that opportunity with a show called The Gridiron was like the first collegiate, you know, hard knocks type show kind of opened the door for me um, to get discovered by ESPN and a couple different people. Started as a cinematographer and then ultimately um, ended up building enough relationships to and, you know, proving my worth as a storyteller to be able to direct a film for Showtime. And then this past year, I uh, directed my first 30 for 30 called Chuck and Tito um, about Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz and kind of the rise of the UFC. So it's been a really uh, fast rise, um, but it's been really rewarding and fun. And I'm, I'm just really thankful that I can do it here in the Midwest, um, you know, it, living in Lawrence too. And, and it's important for me to get to be around uh, the program and, uh, to help mentor some of these guys and also, you know, um, just get to go to games in the fall. I mean, what's better than that? No, you can't beat that. Now, now, Micah Brown's joining us, former KU football player. So, Micah, then as you mentioned there where I wanted to go next, and that is you have built this career uh, where you have done 30 for 30s, living and staying in Lawrence. You haven't had to go to L.A. or New York or Bristol, Connecticut. Uh, how how does that happen? Is it just the fact that we are such a much more technological, closer world, or or did you make sure that hey, this is where I'm I'm going to be, and and that's not changing, and people are going to have to come to me? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think that you know, for me, I have to travel a decent amount. You know, it's not, not like Chuck Liddell's living in you know Kansas. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so I still have to go to the LA's and New York's uh, for work. So. There's toss-ups, you know, you still got to travel a little bit. Um, I've kind of put a cap on that just so, because I got, you know, family and, you know, I want to be there for them. That's my biggest priority. But, you know, for me, I think that one of the biggest things and biggest reasons was I, I wanted to prove to myself that I could raise my family, um, be the kind of husband I want to be, have the kind of life I want to have, um, raise my kids in the Midwest. And um, with that, I just kind of found a way to you know, build those kind of connections and, you know, I'll go shoot it, bring it back here, put it together. And it's worked out really well. That's awesome. Micah Brown is joining us here on the show. Uh, Micah, as, as you look at this program right now and, and where it stands, obviously coach miles comes in last year and uh, there's some spark there. The guys won a national championship. You mentioned you're around this program as much as you can be. What did you notice in year one, how things were, were different with coach coach uh, miles? You know, I, I don't know how necessarily how things are different. I think every coach, you know, I was a big fan of Turner. I was a big fan of things that Coach Weiss did. I was a big, you know, I mean, everybody's trying their best, you know. So mm-hmm. I don't, I think that sometimes when coaches come in, they're like, oh, I'm going to change the culture, you know. And, and I think there's, 
there's an element to that that you can do, but I think it kind of is bigger than that. Um, but I will say what I did notice under Coach Miles is that, you know, the guys were being more competitive. I, I love that. I think that, um, you know, I've seen a lot of improvement. Obviously, Puka Magic, he's, a, he's an <laughs> unbelievable, uh, you know, player. So it helps whenever you have a guy like that on your team. And, and more than anything, I think it was just exciting to be able to see the spark in the fan base and people to come, come around and, you know, support the Jayhawks again. You know, unfortunately, you kind of get that every time you get a new coach. But I don't, we've never had a coach with a resume, you know, of Coach Miles. And so I think that there's a lot of excitement there. He certainly proved that um, the resume still holds up and that he knows what he's doing. And I'm really excited about the direction the program is headed. When, when you look at, you know, what's next, obviously, uh, we don't know what this season's going to look like. Who knows at this point? Uh, but that aside, when you think back to the success that you guys had, you mentioned the competitive nature of practice. It sounds like that is back here in some capacity. Uh, knowing the region, you're a Midwest guy like you do. Is there a recruiting angle that you think a, a program like KU should be utilizing more, whether there's an undertapped area in the region that, that, you know, you think people should be looking at, or if there's a strategy that based on what, you know, uh, working in the sports documentary business and then also playing college football, is there something that's being under, um, under tapped there, so to speak? I mean, I think the local market is being under tapped. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times you kind of get lulled to sleep with the Texas's and the California's and the Louisiana's and all of that stuff. Great individual players can come from there. We had great players that came from there. But I think that your program should be built on local guys that want to play for the Jayhawks. Mm -hmm. You know, guys who have grown up as a little kid being like, that's what I want to do. That's who I want to be. I want to be Nick Reed. You know, I want to be Kerry Meyer. I want to be Daryl Stuckey. I want to be those guys. I want to be Jake Sharp. Mm -hmm. Those are the guys. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm from Nebraska, so I kind of grew up, you know, seeing that as a Cornhusker fan growing up. It was kind of like, you might have a hundred walk-ons show up being like, Hey, I just want to wear the Jersey. Yeah. And some of those guys, a lot of those teams in the nineties and stuff, they were all, you know, walk-ons that earned their way. Local kids who just were grateful for the opportunity that ended up making big contributions. And we've had that, we had that under coach me and Gino. I think that, um, you know, we've certainly had some contributors from Kansas come in and make big plays the last couple of years, but I would really love to see that be a priority to where, you know, KU is not seen as the fallback to K-State. And in mm. some ways that's been the reality, you know, that they've been able to get those guys and, you know, we should be trying to keep the guys, which I mean, Hey, Isaiah Simmons is like bingo another level, right? Like you're probably not going to get that. Yeah. You may not get that guy, but some of the guys, you know, it took Clemson coming in and discovering that he was that good. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like Isaiah Simmons you know. is a guy, you know, played in the Latha, as you know, outside of KC here. And uh, I mean, I think he was a he was a three, maybe a four star guy. It's not like he was a five star lock. No, I mean, I mean, I think that there's a lot of those things that you kind of just forget about it because you don't see the bigger schools come in and offer them, mm -hmm. you know. And so it's you know, it's like, oh God, Clemson came. Let's get on him too. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that there's a little bit of that going on. I'm not saying like, I, I'm saying that overall, I'm not criticizing coach miles, you know, at all. He hasn't mm -hmm. even had time to really you know, dig his feet in, but I do think that for the program to get back, that's something that's got to change. It's got to be the little kids that are growing up wanting to watch Jayhawks. Unfortunately, you know, you got to win mm -hmm. for them to care. 
and you can't keep pointing back to 08. Yeah. You know, and, exactly. and these kids were like little kids when this was, when we were winning. So mm-hmm. hopefully that'll change. I think that it helps having a guy like coach miles and all the little recruiting things that he's doing, you know, bringing in these, you know, rap stars and stuff at the spring game. I mean, the game has changed mm-hmm. and he's definitely adjusting to it. That's awesome. Micah Brown's our guest uh, played at KU under Mangino. Appreciate him coming on for a few minutes, sharing what is a, a really cool local story uh, with everything going on right now. Micah, thanks for, for hopping on for a few minutes. Really appreciate the time. Thank you. I really appreciate you thinking of me. Thanks again to Micah Brown. Please take a second out, guys. Leave that rating, review, subscribe. means the world to us. Uh, We'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in return if you do that. It's Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we will send you a koozie if you send us a screenshot of your rating and review. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon.